0: This is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now today we're catching up with Venture Minerals, the code VMS, trading at around 4.2 cents for a market cap of 70 million. It has to be said for a company with a 70 million dollar market cap and it's got a lot on the go. And we've got the MD, Andrew Radonovich with us today to give us an update on how 2022 is shaping up for the company. Lots to talk about with this one, so uh, let's jump into it. Tin, tin and tungsten, Mount Lindsay. Who wouldn't want a tin project at the moment with tin going through 40000 US dollars a tonne? So Andrew, Mount Lindsay has come into its own. It's got an underground feasibility study underway. Tell us, give the investors a feel for the scale of the potential project there and what you're seeing happening in uh, down there in Tassie.
1: Yeah, well, look, it's uh, thanks, Barry. Good, good to be uh, on the Explorers podcast today. Um, yeah, we've got a project there which we we did a lot of work on, from about two thousand and seven to about two thousand and thirteen. Um, we spent thirty five million dollars. Um, you know, Mount Lindsay was was previously a known uh, tin prospect. In fact, it was mined uh, back over a hundred years ago. So there is a bit of history there. So. And uh, some of the famous uh, West Coast of Tasmania explorers like uh, Aberfoyle and Renison uh, explored there previously. So there's been, uh, you know, a fair bit of history. But, uh, you know, with, with the tin price, as you pointed out, uh, you, know, you know, hovering around record levels, um, you know, for us it was a, an opportunity to go and uh, re-look at the, uh, the previous open pit feasibility study we did in 2012, mm-hmm. and reassessed that and, we, and the... Uh, and we'd worked out that going underground was probably uh, going to be a much easier task in terms of permitting uh, and also in terms of capital so last time we had a 1.75 million ton per annum and the 200 million dollar build so this time we were looking uh and when we start looking I'm, I'm referring probably to about 2018 2019 looking at a scoping study um we were, we were very much uh, going for a smaller higher grade mine Mm-hmm. And and as it turns out, uh, you know, much and it's a much smaller footprint as a consequence and then certainly in these days of with ESG compliance everyone's looking to do, uh, you know, that's, that very much uh, fits into that mantra. We've got hydropower going past or uh, through the tenement. Um, so we're, we're very blessed in, in, in that sense and, uh, you know, for us it's very much leveraging off the work we did in the past and, and getting stuck into uh, a new, smaller, higher-grade version of Mount Lindsay. Mm.
0: So how should investors look at the previously stated resource of, let's say, 80,000 tonnes of tin?
1: Well, look, uh, we have in, that, uh, in the tables there, which we, we put out in every announcement on, on Mount Lindsay, there's a couple of different cutoffs there. And, you know, mm-hmm. you know if you did 0.2% uh, tin equivalent, um, you know, and uh, you see that uh, you've got 45 million tonnes. But, you know, when you get down to, uh, you know, 0.7%, uh, you know, very quickly, you, you're down to just a uh, you know, three or four million tons of high grade, and that's sort of what we'd focus for the underground. That gives you around about a you know, plus one percent tin equivalent, and you know, one percent tin is at these prices is uh, is worth a bit, so uh, you know, we've got to optimize that still. You know, admittedly, when we were doing the work back in 2018 on the scope of the study initially, we were looking at a price which is half what we see today, so we have to reoptimize that, but uh, yeah, it's um. Yeah, it, I'd look at probably that number in terms of conversion to reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, there's a with all those tons there, Barry. There's a great opportunity for us to be a bit smarter in the underground. Uh, we're, we're redoing the process flow sheet, making it simpler. Uh, maybe bigger stops. Um, maybe ore sorting. It's one opportunity. You may look down the sure. line. Mm-hmm. Just to try and get that tonnage up from you know three or four million tons. In if you even if you get fifty percent more higher or, or even double it. Then maybe the plant you're looking at, instead of being a half a million ton per annum plant for roughly eight years production, maybe we look at one million tons per annum or, or or longer mine life. So there's a lot of opportunities there, and hence this this study we're doing now. You know we we you know we're building the uh, team as you speak. We're getting the uh, metallurgical side, engineering, getting a study manager engaged. Um, you know they've got uh, even though there's a great base load of base load of data to work from from previous work. Mm -hmm. Um, they've got some uh, you know an open book in terms of trying to maximize the uh, I suppose a resource reserve conversion.
0: Right and obviously in
1: that part of the world plenty of uh, tin expertise to draw on. Oh absolutely like last time we we were very lucky to have a metallurgist uh, who was running a program for us who had six years at Renison Bell just down the road so Mm -hmm. um, we were very lucky there and, and we sort of tapped into the tin network if you like and you know, as as there was a bit of a hiatus in, in the tin, you know, since the, the uh, mid '80s, you know, it wasn't very much until there was a bit of a spark, probably about ten years ago. But uh, you know, these guys aren't getting any younger, and that you know, that expertise and filling that gap is uh, has been a bit of a struggle. So, I think a lot of people are trying to, uh, you know, learn about tin on the run, you know, ten years ago, and, and I'd imagine you know they've got a, some have got a bit of experience mm-hmm. around, which is great, a bit more modern day, but. You know, technology keeps changing, keeps getting better, ultrafine falcons, you, you're getting down to recovering smaller sizes, all these sort of things which didn't exist and uh, back when, uh, you know, Renison Bell uh, mine first started. So there's, there's great opportunity for, you know, a modern mine built with uh, the latest metallurgical techniques using underground equipment, which is battery operated, um, using paste fill to put down the holes. So once we open up, you know, the voids, we'll start pumping the, the tailings. And putting the waste rock back down in in the in the, uh, in the uh, into the underground workings so but as you know there's so many different uh, mining techniques underground that you know I haven't been working in underground mine for 20 years and, and, and I'm starting to get enlightened about what the the changes have more recently the big people become getting more efficient trying to reduce the costs and I think uh, you know we've got a, a great opportunity to um, you know to take advantage of that
0: Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. You're talking about the smaller footprint of going underground and uh, the uh, the ability to uh, place tailings back underground. Very much part of the uh, ESG focus that all investors uh, seem to be focused on nowadays.
1: Oh, exactly. Look, we we um, you know, permitting is, is is difficult anywhere else in the world, uh, Barry. Um, yeah. And obviously, being on the west coast of Tasmania, it is a mining district. But you know. Um, you know most of the mines there you know besides savage river are basically underground and savage river has been going for over 50 years um so you know even though we tried to do a you know a large open pit to get about 13 14 million tons out of it to try and maximize our resource we quickly realized it was it was it was going to be you know pretty tough to get that done so that's kind of part of the reason why we went back underground but you know cap you know raising 200 million dollars back then was a bit of a bit of a challenge for a tin tungsten project, um, you know, having said that the tin market's changed and, and, and also tungsten's a critical mineral, but, you know, raising that volume, that amount of money, you know, for a junior company is uh, is a bit of a challenge. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I think hydropower going past, you know, there's a lot of advantages of being on the west coast of Tasmania. There's wind power as well as hydropower um, and, and a lot of the mining's done underground. So it's, it's very, um, you know, ticks that box very, very well indeed.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the the criti- critical aspect of, uh, well, both metals, really. I was just wondering, the federal government's uh, got that $2 billion critical metals fund um, in place now. Is there any potential for venture to be talking to our
1: f- friends in Canberra? Oh, absolutely. I think since the office opened, the critical minerals facilitation office back in 1st of January 2020, I was almost knocking on the door to, to you know see if we could... Uh, uh, fit in there, and certainly with, with tungsten, we certainly do. Tin is a critical mineral everywhere else in the world, so I think we expect a change there. So, you know, don't be don't be surprised if tin goes onto that uh, onto that list. Um, so, I'm very uh, confident uh, that will happen. And and I think uh, you know the, the two billion dollar fund. We've, we've spoken to the government about that, and and you know they've got to go through a process. They don't obviously just hand out hand out the money. Uh, willy-nilly so uh, you know we need to essentially do a uh, an update on our study Um, put that in place and that they can have a look at um, you know we've got to tick all the boxes in terms of permitting and 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 you know financially it's got to be a you know a very uh, robust project so it's like any other banks that's the way we sort of got to approach it but you know we'll tick no doubt we'll tick the box we've got tungsten like i said tin will probably be up in that uh list uh, shortly and um you know i think uh, it's a great opportunity mate you know it'd be great if we don't have to go and raise any more money from shareholders and just uh, get a uh, you know a loan from the government
0: yeah sure well we've uh, <clears throat> seen the government's uh, Naif fund hand out plenty of money to well support loans that's a favorable uh Settings to mineral sands producers, fertilizer projects in uh, uh, WA. So it'd be nice to see some support uh, swinging down into Tassie for uh, industry there. Um, Tungsten, how important is it to the project? Is it uh, a byproduct or is
1: it a key
0: aspect of the project?
1: Very much tin and tungsten are co-products. So even though the price, well, the price of tin has probably made it more like uh, a bit more tin,
0: tin, tin tungsten
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly it's kind of um you know tungsten and uh, used to be used to be in the first used to be 40% revenue from the tin 40% tungsten and around about 15% from the magnetite and we had a bit of copper kicking around in the pros about 0.1% copper throughout the, both both of the zones are mining but in the smaller mill it will not be worth mining the uh, or, or or processing especially the copper the magnetite mm-hmm. pays pays for a lot. But I, I think probably, you know, it's more like 45% tin and 35% tungsten and the rest are probably magnetite. So, you know, I, I would uh, call them co-products. They're pretty important. They work together. I, You know, some of the pictures we've been putting out to the market, you know, the siderite's very unspectacular. It looks like a sugary sort of mineral, but it's heavy. Um tungsten, you, you put a UV light on it and it glows. It's it's beautiful, it attracts the eye. And and very much, you know, uh yeah, you know, but every meter of core we were we were drilling in these uh, these holes we're doing at the moment for the uh for the Met program, you know, is a is a meter of shear light and then net, the meter before it's got gar- in it and they are virtually next to each other. So I've got to mine both of them together, Barry, so there's no choice there. Um mm. people often used to ask me, Oh, you know, you don't want to rid out tungsten stuff, just mine a tin and we go, well it's unavoidable. We just, you know, the magnetite. Well, we've got to separate it anyway. So, um, so the three have to work together. And you know, in terms of cash costs for any commodity, it makes it a bit of an interesting uh, scenario. But you know, what happens is usually if you you know buy us one or the other, you're essentially you know getting it for free in the, the yeah. order tungsten. So, so the tungsten to get back to your original question is is very important uh, to the project um and uh and not a aspect of being a critical mineral, but also economically speaking
0: uh, imagine uh cause it fluoresces nicely the uh part of your all sorting uh, uh, potential trials
1: um well it's it's probably density that's uh, in order to try and okay. capture both mm-hmm. at the same time you know the density of considerite to tin oxide is seven uh six uh hard to separate them based yeah. on density but you can you know produce a uh, combined gravity concentrate and ore sorting would be able to to uh, to be a benefit there um all sorting is probably something we'll concentrate on after this first round of study uh, and um you know but i, I the way we separate uh, the two heavy considerate uh, and she minerals is through electrostatic separation that's that was yeah. a breakthrough work we did in 2014 and uh, because tin's electrically conductive, because it's in solder and tungsten isn't, and that's why it's, you find tungsten in, in semiconductors because it's almost like an insulator, um, then um, you know, it's uh, very much uh, uh, the way to go for this new method, this new simpler processing flow sheet, which we mm. think will um, you know, add a lot of value, lower, lower the costs and hopefully increase the, uh, the tons that uh, convert to reserves. Okay, so
0: what we're talking about there is the benefit of all, uh, what was it, $30 million plus being spent on the, getting the project to uh, this sort of point?
1: Oh, ab- absolutely. We don't have to do any more drilling for uh, the resource. We we have over 70% in the measured and indicated category. So, and the higher grade zones, uh, you know, quite often there's drilling sort of 15 by 20 meter space, HQ, NQ, diamond core. So, it's, it's really in terms of the resources, the Rolls Royce version mm-hmm. and, and certainly uh you know that's going to uh you know pay us back handsomely in this uh, in this uh, next nine months mm-hmm. or
0: so okay i was just uh, going to ask there um are you, have you been able to share with the market at all some sort of tie line on uh the underground feasibility study
1: uh um, look i think uh you know we're, we're hoping to get it done uh you know towards the end of q3 early q4 um i've uh we've got to get the study team's getting built as we speak so I don't want to put too much pressure on those mm-hmm. guys. i like them to tell me, but uh, um, obviously we feel as though we've got, you know, great opportunity uh, with all the p- work done previously. So uh, early indications are that, uh, you know, that timeline is achievable.
0: Oh, I'll just add there that I um, was looking at the uh, quarterly report and I see you raised uh, 10.25 through a SPP and placement recently. So
1: that's uh, earmarked for uh, Mount Lindsay? Yes, yes. Um, We've probably got a budget of around five million dollars for the, for the study, mm-hmm. um, which includes the, the drilling that we're doing at the moment. Uh, but we want to spend uh, as much as we can of what rem- of the remainder on exploration at Mount Lindsay. Now we've got we started doing some work there, and we sort of switched across to the uh, feasibility drilling, uh, probably around about you know Q three Q four um, last year, or probably Q three, and uh, and that's after we had some some exciting uh, results in our exploration. You now we're drilling a long strike to Renaissance, same mine sequence, and we, mm. we started getting uh, great uh, what we call scar mineralisation, so very, very encouraging signs there. Um, and, uh, and we we found an em anomaly long strike from Mount Lindsay and drilled a hole, and very much we recognise what we hit again, scarn type mineralisation. So you know, having done so much work on Mount Lindsay, we know how close we are to the ore to the grade minerals and, uh, you know, we, we could be, you know, a whole away from a discovery in either of those two locations. And and to think that those two targets are two out of a dozen priority EM targets out of a total of 48 EM targets. So that's the first airborne EM survey flown over Mount Lindsay ever. So we've got a whole range of targets to work on and, and uh, you know, we hope we're looking to get, you know, bolster our uh, drilling um, capacity and, and hit that pretty hard over the next few months before um, the, uh, the rainy season. It, it tends to be most of the year in Tassie, on the west coast of Tassie, but uh, <laughs> um, it usually gets uh, pretty horrible after in, uh, from from Easter onwards. So, you know, we're looking to ramp that up over the uh, the next couple of months.
0: Let's swing over to WA. We're Chalice, uh, the mighty Chalice, now what? A $2.8 billion company on the strength of the Julemar Discovery in the uh, West Yulgarn province, the fast evolving West Yulgarn province. They're farming into a JV with you guys at your southwest nickel cobalt PG project uh, down south. What's the latest uh, you can tell us about that?
1: Well, they they did a uh, ground-based EM survey and on our TOR target, and, and, and TOR already had about 13 EM anomalies from airborne work and we, we actually put some drill holes into that and got 2.4 metres of massive sulphide, which we are looking for a VMS back then, Barry, and we ended up finding nickel, copper, cobalt and, and a little bit of uh, palladium. So uh, um, you know, this is 18 months before Julema was discovered, so we were scratching okay. head a little bit. So so when uh, we got a knock on the door just a, you know, two, three months after Julema was discovered from our, our friends at Chalice and we were uh, encouraged by, I suppose, what they thought was available there, and they, and they called it a my lookalike in that announcement in July uh, 2020. So um, the first port of call was to get that uh, those airborne EM targets uh, confirmed with ground EM, and uh, we just announced uh, last month that they got 11 ground EM targets. Uh, some of those are very close to the holes we drilled where we had some interesting indicators. Mm. Um, so they're, they're on the ground now just uh, doing some... Uh, some quick source sampling using handheld XRF machines to sort of uh, give us give them response and and do to prioritise which which targets need to be drilled. So um, they have until the end of July this year to spend one point two million dollars in total. I've spent about four hundred thousand dollars to date, so that's really going to involve some drilling. And um, because we're in a state forest and there's dieback issues, drilling there in the rain is uh, frowned upon. So a lot of that work's going to have to be done before the start of June, so there could be a fair bit of activity there uh, in the next few months. There, Barry, mm. uh, to the point of drilling, or absolutely. Well, in terms of the, in terms of having to meet that expenditure, I, 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 there would have to be drilling, and yes, and that's that's what they've uh, you know, stated in their quarterly report. Mm. And of course, we had
0: uh, interest in that whole West Yugan province on the, the margin of the, the margin. Spike up last week when we had Caspin, which is to the north of uh, Jolima, came in with some nice results. So this idea that we're going to get a province opening up uh, is starting to uh, take hold, hopefully.
1: Yes. Well, look, uh, we're not a neurology play. We are a (laughs) a replica or a lookalike. But uh, But the rocks are the same. But the rocks are the same. And and we've got, you know, chrome-rich or or, or rocks that have potential to hold nickel. Um, We recognise that. Obviously, Chalice have recognised that. Um, Chalice pegged all the ground they thought was interesting. Uh, we all had a look. Every junior company had a look, but you never know. Maybe they didn't get all of it, but, uh, you know, we class ourselves a little bit differently, Barry, and having a partner like Chalice along and using their, their IP, you know, IP is just, um, you know, to, to apply to our targets. Uh, it's a pretty mm. exciting opportunity for for our shareholders. Okay. Uh,
0: um, just finally, um, you've got the latent Mount Riley iron ore, uh, 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 operation on the far from Mount Lindsay down there in Chassie. Uh shipping costs and the discounted uh, iron ore price put a halt to things there. But um so that's just being uh put on the back burner pending improved market conditions.
1: Uh, yeah that's right. Iron ore prices has done the right thing. It's it's heading yeah. up to one fifty. Um the, the discount um that FMG gets the super special fines is still I think it's thirty-five percent for this month, so that's quite significant. Mm. Impost. Um, the uh, shipping is probably still around at you know high thirties uh, at the moment, so still pretty high. Probably a little bit cheaper than when we actually put our first shipment out. Um, so those are the sort of imposts we have at the moment. But having said that, we we've, we've prepared for a, a quick startup uh, to capture the market. We have a um, you know we've chosen the lowest cost, quickest way of producing the for the next shipment and we've already got, uh, you know, some tons, you know, a significant number of tons already been mined. Um, obviously, they uh, need to go through the, the processing and then they trucked up. But, um, you know, it's we're, we are in a state of readiness at this stage and hopefully post the Olympic Games, uh, you know, we can see more larger improvements in the iron ore price and obviously the impact of COVID on maybe the Pilbara operations. There's, there's an interesting little sweet spot's popping up. We're just preparing ourselves to capture it should, uh, should that happen.
0: Exactly. Okay. So its future though would be more uh, on a cam- uh, campaign basis. Uh, conditions right, whack it out, shut it down if uh, need be.
1: If need be. Well, we're in a position now. We've got the first shipment done. So we've got a plant there. So it's 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 quite flexible. We don't. We're not. There's no long lead time um, of reestablishing the operation. So it's very much. Uh, we've got ourselves at a longer term contract. So we're, we've just got these uh, contracts or negotiations on. Know, very, uh, very quick start startups and, and shutdowns, as you as you suggested.
0: All right. Okay. So we don't need to uh, <clears throat> talk about that one just at the moment, but it could well come into its own, as you say, as to everyone's predicting China's steel production going back through a billion tons pretty quickly. So let's just recap for investors. What should they be looking out for on the tin tungsten front and the, let's go looking for another dual Lamar front?
1: Look, I think for investors, there's not many tin companies out there and we have an asset that's one of the largest undeveloped tin projects in the world and mm. it's very advanced. Um, we're targeting ESG tin production. We have – and that's something that's very, very achievable for where we are um, and uh, and we're in the critical mineral space. So I think Mount Linz is a very unique asset indeed and we're very advanced. So we can see production, you know, happening – Two years to get the permitting and the, and, the, and the studies completed, um, and then into production, say in 2025. So that's a great opportunity for Australia's next tin producer. And the other opportunity, of course, is uh, the X factor is that whether our our experts at, uh, on, can find another Julema in Chalice uh, on our project down on uh, down on the, the southwest project in WA, and that's you know that's uh, you know they've got EM targets, the fit mass is sulfide. We've got some great indicators of nickel and and, and uh, PGE. So, uh, yeah, look, it's looking looking very positive indeed. So, you know, I think they get, uh, I think I've stated this a few times, two companies for the price of one. There we go. <laughs> there we go. And we all like that.
0: Okay. No, great stuff, Andrew. Interesting uh, stories on a number of fronts there. So thanks for your time today. Uh, we'll be watching with interest as 2022 unfolds, and good luck with it all.
1: Great. Pleasure as always. Thank you, Barry.
0: This episode of the Explorers podcast was sponsored by RM Corporate Finance, an active participant in emerging companies around the globe.